I heard a pastor mention this verse, and then it resonated, not at that moment in my spirit, but a little after. And so it's Isaiah 40, and it's verse 8, and it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And I was just thinking about, you know, what word has God spoken over me that I've let slip through my grasp? And I'm here to tell you, church, that we need to remember to proclaim the word of God over ourselves, over our family, over those that we know that are lost on a daily basis because the enemy is ready to strike us. He's ready to strike us. And I'm just so privileged that that God would give me understanding of that verse, one small verse, and just an affirmation of his love. Because if it wasn't for his love, he wouldn't give us understanding. And if he didn't give us understanding, then we wouldn't be able to apply it. Amen? And he wants us to apply it. And so I just, I'm here to tell you that he loves you because he wants you to be effective. He wants you to be a dangerous weapon against the enemy. Amen. And so, Lord, I just thank you for allowing us to be at the center of your presence today, Lord. I thank you, Father God. And I ask, just like, and I was sharing with my husband this morning that I've heard it said, and we, we've read it before, but... But sometimes we forget the significance of this phrase that it says, as it is in heaven, as it is, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Powerful is that. And then there's a song that's out right now. And if you don't really pay attention to the lyrics, you'd miss it. And it says, let it be done in my soul as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, let that be our prayer today. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for your word that it never fails. It it endures forever. And we just come before you, Father God, with a cheerful heart, Lord. We bring you glory and praise today in your house. Amen. And uh, amen. So let me just share a little bit of extra good news. Uh, I'm going to jump the gun because I think Pastor was going to share it. But our, our precious Miss Dominique, um, Austin's girlfriend, she did give birth to Mr. Cairo Rain. There's Shelby Patterson. Um, this morning, I think at like 1.52 in the morning. Now, that says a lot because poor thing went in at 6 a.m. yesterday for inducement. So God bless her. I know what that feels like. But, um, but we're so grateful that everything went smoothly. He, and I mean the baby, is going to be an anointed um, tool for the Lord. And, and I just sense that in my spirit. I've been praying over him while he was in her belly. And, and I know that there's an effective work that he's going to bring forth in his life. So we praise God for him. And, um, and so, and there are a lot, there's a lot going on, 
Um, next week, we're going to be honoring all of our January babies, because we have a lot of them, with banana splits. So come with your appetite. And um, that following Sunday, for the uh, ladies, we will be gathering here and, and hosting Mr. Cairo as a welcome baby. And um, if you like a list of things that she still needs that we could bless her and the baby with, I have that information so you can see me. And following that, everyone is invited to our home for the Super Bowl party. So it's a double hitter that Sunday. So come prepared with your tummies because there's going to be a lot of food to eat. And um, later, jump fast forward to that following Sunday, we are going to be having a Valentine's dinner for friends or loved ones. Um, join, come with us, fellowship. And, um, and then there is a concert coming up. If you're interested, let me know. We're going to be making some reservations for those tickets. And um, if you would continue with your um, just excitement and take a few moments to greet each other, and then we'll continue with our morning worship. Amen? Good morning. How's everyone this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, one other thing, keep, keep uh, Maggie in prayer. Um, she's not doing well with her foot. And uh, was having pain. And then also keep Daylene Bush in prayer. Um, I, she's still going through um, her, uh, her fractures to her knee and to her ankle. And so we uh, keep her in prayer as well. And anyone else you know of that's not here for one reason or another, keep them in prayer as well. As we go before the Father in prayer, as uh, we take our, our tithes and morning offering. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. And I just thank you, Heavenly Father, for the ability to meet in this place, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for activating your presence in this place, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the word that you have uh, for us this morning, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, for each one that's here. Heavenly Father, I ask you to feed us, Lord. I pray for the ones that are maybe watching online, Lord, or listening throughout the week, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the word minister to them, Lord, in the way that they need, Lord. I ask, Heavenly Father, to be with Maggie, Lord, as she's at home, Lord. Heal her body, Heavenly Father. Heal that tendon, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for Daylene, Lord. Continue uh, healing her in recovery of that knee, Lord, that fracture in that knee, Lord, and that ankle, Heavenly Father. Heavenly, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives, Heavenly Father. Lord, I ask, Heavenly Father, to bless the offering that we are about to receive today, Heavenly Father. Allow it uh, to, to, to multiply, Lord, the gift and the giver, Heavenly Father, and the work that you have in, uh, for us, Lord, for 2019, Lord, and the years to come, Lord. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This morning, we're going to be in Daniel, back in Daniel, chapter 2. We were going to go to chapter 3, but the Lord said, no, you're going to go back to chapter 2. And uh, so the work that I've done in chapter 3 would be for another week, amen? And this morning, my, my sermon is titled, Responding to the Challenge, right? You ever think about a fight, like a fighter, and they respond to a challenge? You know, there's, there was a, a fight on last night, I guess Pacquiao versus somebody else. I guess Manny Pacquiao won, is what I saw on Facebook. Don't know, I don't follow boxing. You may know more than I do. And so uh, uh, last week we looked at Daniel. And, and we saw that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, did not compromise, right? And because they did not compromise, God did what? He promoted them in the end. Amen? And we saw that they were, they, they were tempted to compromise, that, that, that um, they, they stood up to that. To that. They pushed back, and, the, uh, and they were promoted in the very end. And the temptation to compromise for them is, was just the beginning. In fact, uh, I, I don't know of anybody um, that, that is detailed in the life of uh, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they're constantly attacked or constantly 
um, there to, 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 to throw temptation, to, to compromise. You, we see that last week with, uh, um, uh, when they were captive and uh, the king was trying to feed them. We see that in chapter 3 where um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doesn't bow down to the idol. It gets thrown into the, li- uh, to the, uh, to the not the lion's den, to the uh, furnace. And we see Daniel also thrown into the lion's den because of uh, his decision not to compromise. But this morning, we're going to look at a problem that shook the king. It, it also uh, uh, caused issues with the king's advisors. And then also Daniel has a response to it, the challenge that was, he, he faced. And the problem um, was a meeting for Daniel. It was uh, one that him and his friends would face where they saw the possibility of death. They were on the verge of death today, and we'll see that again today, where, where um, uh, uh, Daniel, if he didn't interpret the dream, then he would have died. He would have faced death in the face. And the question this morning is, how do we respond when a challenge is presented to us? What do we do when a challenge is presented to us? Some of us enjoy challenges. Some of us like to be challenged. Some of us have to be challenged. I know my son... If he's sitting there and he gets a red mark in school, I know because he's just sitting there blabbering because he's not challenged. I know when he's having a good day in class and there's no, nothing to, to, to write home about, it's because he was challenged. And he, he, even though he's hard-hitting, he enjoys a challenge and he likes to be challenged. Some of us will like to be challenged whether it be a, a race or whether it be a sporting event. Some of us like to be challenged only when we're good at something. We're not good at it. We don't want to be challenged. I know if you want to challenge me in a game of basketball, I'm okay, I guess. I'll go out and play ball with you. You want to challenge me into a a game of golf, I'm not because I'm going to lose and I'm going to spank because I don't play golf, right? So we're challenged on on, on sometimes what what we're good at. Now, some of us, a small percentage of us, I should say, and I think sometimes I'm in this category and sometimes I'm not, and I think we all can agree with it. When, When a challenge is brought to us, sometimes we view it in the eyes of God. And what I mean by that is when we look at a challenge, we tell that challenge, you know, nothing is too big for God. Amen. Nothing is too big for God. And so when something happens and some some challenge or 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 distraction or some issue comes and knocks on our doorstep, we look at that challenge instead of crying or boohooing or being down in the depths or be depressed. We look at that challenge and we stare it in the eye and say, nothing is too big for my God. Amen. And I hope one of I hope, hope all of us at one point in our lives get to a, a get to that point where we can look at a challenge and instead of freaking out or, or or going here or going there or looking for this advice or that advice, so I'm not saying it's bad to do, but I'm so what I'm saying is the first thing we say is nothing is too big for my God. Amen? Because nothing is too big for my God. And I hope that we all fall in that area in that point of view, uh, God's point of view. Uh, in, in our lives this morning, and, and, and if not, the weeks to come. This morning, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if it's a financial issue. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship issue. It doesn't matter if it's a health issue. It doesn't matter what issue it is. If it's a job issue, whatever issue it is, we have to view it as nothing is too big for my God. Amen? Say that with me. Nothing is too big for my God. Amen? Nothing is too big for, our, for, our God, for my God. Nothing is impossible. Now, it might be impossible for man. It might be impossible for someone. It it might be impossible for you. But nothing is impossible for our God, for my God, for your God. Nothing is impossible for our God. 
And so this morning we're going to see Daniel faced with a challenge. And we see Daniel's response. We're going to see the king's advisor's response. We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar's response. And we have to look at these responses and we have to review them and say, who am I like? Am I like King Nebuchadnezzar? Am I like Daniel? Am I like the advisors? Who am I like when I am challenged in life? Amen? So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. And we have 23 verses to read this morning. But the first nine says this. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and I interpret it for you. And interpret it for me, I should say. Once, uh, once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret for me. So the first thing I want you to see is King Nebuchadnezzar's response. He's irritated. He is irritated. He is upset. That's, that's how he handles this challenge. Is he's, he, he's faced with an issue here. He wants to know what his dream means. And we think about a king or a king Nebuchadnezzar, and we think of a king and we think they have it all together. They think their life, we think that life is perfect. They have all the power. They have all authority. They have everybody at their beck and call. Everything was great. Everything is good. You're a king. How can it not be? But we see that it's not. It's not okay. He had the riches, he had the power, he had the control. He did whatever he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted. But we look at the king, we think it's all good. That he's, everything is fine, everything is okay. And some of us have given a chance. If I said you have an opportunity to be king, a, a very few of us would say, I want to be king, I want the responsibility, I want the power, I want the control. And some of us are saying, no, I, don't, I wouldn't want that. I don't want to be in that situation. But if I told you, if you were the king of your life, you had the say of what goes on in your life. You dictate your finances and your health and, and anything else. And you dictate that. We would all be like, yeah, I want to be king over my life. I'll take that. I don't want to be king over anybody else's, but I want to be king of my life. See, the king might appear to have everything in order. He might have everything that he wanted. But I'll tell you what, looks are deceiving. All it took was one dream. Actually, it was dreams. The Bible says dreams in, in verse 1. Dreams. All it took was one dream to make the king irritated. The Bible tells us that he was, he was troubled. And he could not what? He could not sleep. He was irritated. It's possible because it was a reoccurring dream. Or it was possible because maybe he didn't remember those, remember the dream. If you had a dream 
and, and, and you, you, you remember bits and pieces of it, and you really want to remember the rest of it, and you just can't remember it. And it's irritating because you wake up in the morning and either you say, whew, that dream, I'm glad that dream's over, or you're like, man, I want to go back to that dream because I don't remember all of it, and such and such was there, and somebody was there, and this person was there, and I, I was like this, right? And he was troubled by this dream. So he called in all the magicians, he called in the enchanters, he called in the sorcerers, he called in the astrologers, and he's telling them, tell me my dream. Not interpret it, tell me my dream, and then tell me what it means. And they're looking at him like, we, we can't do this. We can't do this. There's no way that we can do this. And it irritated him to the point that he wants them dead now. He wants to kill them. I'll tell you what, there are going to be times in our lives that we're not going to know the answer. There's going to be times in our lives that, that we don't know why we're going through something. There's going to be times in our lives that we just don't have a clue what, what's going on. And I'll tell you what, that's okay. But I'll tell you what's not okay is feeling irritated and disgruntled and not right about it and getting upset about it like the king did. That's not how we are to handle challenges in our life. We are not to handle challenges in our life as irritated people. We are to handle challenges like Daniel does, and we'll see that in just a second. But moving forward in verse 10, he says this. The astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. Listen to this. And they do not live among humans. Except the gods, lowercase g, they do not live among humans. This made, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. The second thing I want you to see is the, king, uh, the, the king's advisor's response. Impossible. The, the challenge is impossible. We can't do what the king's asking for, nor can anyone else do what the king's asking for. It is impossible to do. So this is impossible. You can't do it. We can't do it. These men played a consultant role. They were, give me something, king, and I'll give you something back. The king would tell them his dreams. They were, he would tell them their visions. He would tell them their plans. And, and he, they would go in and consult the king, give the king advice, tell the king how he should proceed. In return, they received, they received housing. I imagine they received food. I imagine they received some kind of compensation for them being a wise man to the king. It's so a give and take relationship. But now there was nothing given. They, they didn't give nothing to the king, and they wanted, the king wanted something from them. And they're saying, we can't do it. It's impossible. Give me your dream, and we'll interpret it the way we see fit. But you've got to give me your dream. They even took it a step further. They told the king, you know what, our gods are useless. Isn't that amazing? Our gods are useless then why continue serving him? Amen? Right? Our gods are useless. In verse 11 it says, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among humans. How useless is a god that cannot give us answers? How useless is a god that cannot communicate to men? How useless is a god just to be there so we can worship? 
Well, what's the point of that? There is no point to a useless God. And these men were exposing themselves as frauds and they were exposing their God as a fake. Amen? That we can't do it because the gods don't live among us. Well, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit lives among us. And so if the Holy Spirit allows it to happen, it's going to happen. Amen? These men were exposing themselves as fakes and frauds. They only gave us something when something was given to them. Don't be a people who only give of something when something is given to you. Don't be, there's so many marriages that fall apart because I want my spouse to do this, and if they do this, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to give until they give. Don't be that type of person. Don't be that type of person when it says, well, I'm going to give to God and my finances are my time when God gives me finances and time. No, give with what you have and watch God multiply with the little that you give and then go from there. Your faith is replacing God and God responds to it. We don't have to see God work first and wait for God to respond. We need to do it and take the initiative. Amen? We want something we want to give when something's given to us. We want to trust God only when He does something in our lives. We view it impossible until God gives us something, a possibility, and we say, okay, God, I'm going to view it now. I'm, 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 I'm going to, 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 to take it now and give something back to you. These men viewed what the king was asking as impossible. And you know why it was impossible? Because they did not serve the living God. Their God did not communicate with them. Their God wasn't a living God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit to guide them. It was impossible for them because they were not connected to the true God that makes things possible. Amen? Mark 10, 27 says this. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Some things... All things are possible with God. Say that with me. All things are possible with God. These men looked at the king and said, what you're asking is impossible. Absolutely impossible. We can't do it. No man can do it. It is impossible. Now, go back two slides. I want to right there. One more. Go back forward. I'm sorry, go forward, not back. The word impossible. There we go. I want you to look at that word impossible. Impossible. Now, the world will tell you to break it down like this. Impossible is made up of two words. I'm possible. I'm possible. And so when you look at impossible, the world's going to say, you know, believe in yourself that I'm possible. And I'm not telling you not to believe in yourself because I believe we do need to believe in ourselves. But I want to tell you that's very limited. I'm possible is very limited. I want you to look at the word I'm now. And I'm is a contraction for the word what? I am. I am. Now, when you think of the word I am, who do you think about when you say I am? Sometimes ourselves. But I want you to think even more. I am is I am. I am is God. I am possible. Not because I'm possible, but because he is possible. Because Jesus said, I am. Amen. When, when, Mo, when God went to Moses say, I am sent you. Tell them, I am sent you. I am is God. Jesus says, I am. I am the light. 
I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the I am and the impossible because I am. Amen? And we look at the impossible and we take out the I'm in it and turn it into I am. We can look at everything is possible with I am. If you don't have the I am, it is impossible. But with the I am, it is possible. Amen? And it's amazing to think about that when you think of I'm possible and breaking it down to what I'm really is, is I am. And if God is in it, he is the I am. And if he's in it, then it is possible. It's not impossible. Amen? That's what Daniel did. Verse 14, he says, When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officers, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. I want you to see the third thing. I want you to see Daniel's response. Daniel's response is imaginable. Imaginable. He can imagine it happening. He had faith it happened. It can happen. Daniel and his friends were on the verge of being killed. And Daniel says, wait, time out. Give me a minute. Let, 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 let's work this out. It's not the last time he's going to be faced with death. But this was the first time he was faced with death. Daniel's response is a calm manner. Let, let, let's work this out. Give me some time. Let me work this out. Daniel's calmness in the crisis shows what kind of man he really was. How can he remain calm when someone's at your doorstep needing to kill you because the king said so? And then going to the king and say, listen, king, I need a minute. We'll see that here in a minute. I need a second. Give, give me some time, king. You're walking into a, a place that the king wants you dead because he doesn't know no one can interpret his dream. He wants you dead. And he walks in and with a calm manner and says, give me, give me a moment. The reason being is when he was faced with a challenge, he didn't look at it as impossible. He looked at it as it is possible because of the I am he served. Amen? It is possible because of the I am we serve. We serve. Amen? And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will, to realize that the I am that we serve Everything and anything is possible because of who we serve. And because of that, that provided hope to Daniel. And because it provided hope to Daniel, it should provide us hope today. Serving, serving God should provide us hope. Should allow us to see the imaginable and the unimaginable. It should allow us to see the possible because of the I am that we serve. Impos uh, 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 imaginable. Defined as possible to be thought of or believed. Is it possible? It's imaginable. If it's possible, it's imaginable. If it's imaginable, God can do it. It's possible. Amen? It is possible. Always there's a possibility with God. And these men had no possibility because they did not serve the living God. They had no possibility. It was impossible, and they believed it was impossible because they did not serve the living God. They served a fake and fraudulent God. But with all things, God, with all things, it's possible through God. All things, amen? There's four responses we see that Daniel gave for his challenge that we need to apply for our lives. 
The first one's bound in verse 16. He says, At this Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he may interpret the dream for him. So he asked for time, which shows Daniel practice. The first one is patience. Patience. He had patience. He knew that it would take some time. And it wasn't just a stall tactic, but he knew that it was going to take some time to hear back from God. And I'm here to tell you today that sometimes we have to practice this nasty word, patience. When it comes to God, because when we want to pray to God, we want to see God move like yesterday. We want him to see him move now. And if you're Daniel, you want him to interpret the dream and give you the dream right now. Because you know what? Death is at your doorstep. If you were Daniel, you wanted it right now. I want, to, I want to see the dream. I want to know the dream. I want to interpret the dream. I want to live. But he practiced patience. He practiced patience. If he didn't have the right answer, he was dead. If he had no answer, he was dead. Even though there was a crisis, there's no rush on God. Think about that. Even though there's a crisis... All of us have been in a crisis before. We viewed it as a crisis, right? And we want answers. And we want something to happen right then and there. But there is no rush on God. There is no rush on God. But we like to rush God. We like to get ahead of God. We like to, to tell God what needs to happen and how it should happen. But we're not on God's time. Amen? Patience. Patience. Continues on in verse, in verse 17 and 18. says, Then Daniel returned to the house and explain the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You notice to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but this, their names were already changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But we're talking about spiritual things, and we're not talking about the worldly things. So they're called Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the names that, that, that God ordained upon them. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So the second thing we see is petition. Patience and a petition. Daniel just didn't go in prayer by himself. He didn't look at it and say, well, I can handle this situation by myself. I'm going to tell you what, church, we're not meant to live this world by ourselves. We're not meant to do it by ourselves. It's hard by ourselves. It's hard even with somebody, but it's definitely hard by ourselves. But you know what the enemy's going to say? No one cares about you. No one would notice that you missed. No one noticed that you weren't there. No one cares about what you're, what you're going through. Don't trouble him or her with your prayer requests. Don't trouble him or her with your burdens. Just keep it to yourself. And that's what the enemy will love to believe. Because we're stronger in numbers and he doesn't want us to be praying. Daniel realized this and he goes, you know what? I'm going to go petition. I'm going to tell my friends that we need to, to plead with God. We need to petition heaven's door because we need answers. We need answers to this mystery. We need a dream to be revealed to us because you know what? I want to live. And if God is going to give us an opportunity to tell the king his dream, then God's going to do it and God's going to use me to do it. And, and, and that's the case. Well, let's bombard heaven's door together. Amen. Not by yourself together. And so sometimes when we feel like I can't say something to somebody or I can't bug pastor or I can't bug up her teams or I can't bug this person or that person because I don't want to, I don't want them to, to I just don't want to bother them. 
No, it's not a bother. It's coming together, linking arms with other brothers and sisters, and we're petitioning for you on behalf of you, and we're bombarding heaven's door with your prayer request, because I tell you what, one, a two is better than one, and three is better than two, and four is better than three, and five is better than four, and I can keep going on and on and on, and that's what we are supposed to do, is supposed to come together, link arms with our fellow brothers and sisters, and pray for them. Amen? Now, this week, as I was preparing, I looked at synonyms. If you Google the word impossible, and synonyms for impossible, you know what you come up with? One of the synonyms down the very end of the line, not used very often, is the word not a prayer. Not a prayer. And I thought about that, and I thought, that caught my eye. Not a prayer. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? It's absolutely right. Without prayer, it is impossible. Without prayer, it is impossible. Very right that a synonym is impossible is not a prayer. Because possibilities are in prayer. You don't go before the Father in prayer, then your, your situation is impossible. Because the Father is not part of it, and you don't have the I am in, in the impossible. Amen? With prayer, there's always a possibility. Without Daniel praying, we wouldn't be talking about Daniel today. I guarantee you. He wouldn't know the dream because he didn't go to the father in prayer who knew the dream. And since he couldn't tell the, the king what the dream was, Daniel would be dead. And we wouldn't be talking about Daniel who faced the challenge. We'd be talking about Daniel who really didn't go to God in the challenge. And because of that, cost him his life. Think about that. Think about that. That's, that's, that's amazing when you think about it. If he, if he never went to God in prayer, we wouldn't be talking about him today because he would be dead. But he went to God in prayer and petition. And God gave him the answers. Jeremiah 32, 17, 17 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Absolutely nothing is too hard for you. The king's advisors didn't have God. And it was impossible. Daniel had the I am and the impossible. And because he had the I am, it was a possibility. The third thing I want you to see, verse 19 says, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. What was it? It was revealed. The third thing that happened was a revelation. God gave him and revealed to him what the answer was. See, I think so many times we look for answers and we, God, I need the answer. You know, and I was thinking about it this week. I think so many times the answer is in front of us. But God hasn't revealed it to us because we haven't asked for God to reveal it to us. So we don't understand the answer. And we won't understand the answer until revelation comes and our eyes are opened up and, and, and it is revealed to us. And then we can understand what God is trying to do. See, the answer is right in front of us. But until it is revealed to us, until we open up our eyes, until we take the blinders off, we're able to see it, understand it, and apply it to our life. The Bible says it, that, that, that the, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. See, what we need to do is in our prayer time, in our challenge time, when we're, we're going to come up against something, is we need to ask God for revelation. Not so much as answers, but understanding that the answer that he's given to us. Because we may have the answer right there. But if we don't understand the answer, there is no way that we can apply the answer to our lives because we don't understand what God is trying to do in our life. Amen? It's our job, our job is not to figure things out about God. 
but to understand what he has revealed to us. That's what our job is, to understand what God has revealed to us. And the last one, verse 20 to 23. He said, instead, praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes, uh, disposes, um, deposes, deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me, revealed to me, what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So I want you to the fourth thing he did was he praised. 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 Daniel received the revelation, and as soon as he received it, he went straight into praising God for the revelation. Right? Right into praising God for the revelation. He praised God for God's power. He praised God for God's wisdom. He praised God for his communication to Daniel and his friends. Daniel had the certainty of faith to believe that God gave him this answer. See, our level of faith is often indicated by how long it takes us to start praising God. Think about that. I want you to think about this. Daniel received the revelation, got the dream, and automatically started praising God because he knew it was from God and he knew it was correct. See, so many times in life, when God gives us answers or revelation, we sit back and think, you know what? Ah, that, that's going to sit right there for now because I, I, don't, I don't 100% grasp that. I want to test it and make sure it's good. And then once I test it, and once I know that the answer is, then you know what, Lord? Praise you, Lord. I'll praise you then. No. God's given you an answer. God's given you a promise. God's given you a, a revelation. It's time to start praising him without even saying, well, you know what, Lord? I, I, I don't understand this. I don't think this is real. This is not right. Wait a minute. That's not what Daniel did. He praised him. You know, God convicted me this, uh, this week as I was looking over this, this um, my, my sermon on last night. God convicted me. And I did, I did just this in my own life. We were praying for a baby, a little baby Haley. We were praying for her and praying for her and praying for her. One morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, I get a call from the bathroom. Dennis, get in here. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in, I had something happened. The baby's throwing up, which was, you know, Dennis. Not really a baby back then, but he's still my baby. And she says, look it, I'm pregnant. And I look at her and I say, that's nice. Take another one. <laughs> right? She took another one and I said, uh, okay, go, let's go to the hospital and we'll take one there and make sure it's legit, you know. So we get to the hospital and, and of course, you know, for men, they don't allow you back there because they have all these personal questions and so they went through the whole questionnaire and making sure she wasn't abused and all that stuff. And they took another pregnancy test. And the science tells the doctor, I want to take that one. My husband's in the lobby. Don't throw that one away. I want to take that one to show him that this is for real. So she comes out and she's like, look it, here's my, you know, pregnancy test. And I'm looking at it and I say, oh, all right, now it's for real. But you, you see how that happened? The, the, the pregnancy was real. The, the test was positive. My response should have been, you know what, Lord? I see it. I praise you for it. This is a miracle that we've been wanting for years to come. 
but I wanted proof of it again. And then when I got the second proof, I wanted proof of it again. See, and so many times in our lives, I think God gives us something, and we want proof of it before we praise him. See, Daniel he didn't even go to King Nebuchadnezzar at this point. He went to King Nebuchadnezzar, starting with verse 24, to tell him about the dream. And the dream was correct. But he praised God for the dream before even verifying if the dream was correct. Think about that. We have to praise him. Praise him. As soon as an answer comes, a revelation comes, you know what, Lord? I praise you for it. I worship you for it. You are, are an awesome God and you're deserving of all my praise. Instead of questioning it or saying it's not real or I want another positive test. Amen? That's the faith I want. That's the faith that we need, church. Amen? When we're faced with a challenge, we can be like King Nebuchadnezzar. We can be irritated by it, frustrated by it disheartening from it. We can, we can be like the advisors and say, you know what? That's impossible. Or we can be like Daniel and say, you know what? That's imaginable. Because the I am and I serve says that the impossible is a possible because of who he is. Amen? Challenge is, is when we're faced with something, how do we respond? Irritating? Is it impossible? Or is it imaginable? Stand with me as I close in prayer. And as I close in prayer, I want you to, there's things in our, in our life, there's things that you're going through and there's, there's decisions that need to be made. There's issues that you're going through. There's a challenge that you may be facing. And you know what that is. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly what it might, might be. But it's possible. It's not impossible. It's possible. It's imaginable because of the God we serve, amen? And so as we pray this morning and as we close out in prayer, I want you to just take that item, whatever it is. You know what it is. Take it before the Lord. I say, you know what, Lord? This is what I believe is impossible, but because of who you are, because I serve the I am, it is possible. The challenge, Lord, that we're lifting up to you, Lord, you see it. You know what needs to happen with it. You, need to, you know what needs to, to change. You know what needs to break. You know what needs to mend. You know what needs to heal, Lord. And I pray right now, Heavenly Father, you see our issues. You see our challenges that we are facing, Lord. This week, Heavenly Father, we may have decisions that we make this week, Lord. We may have to have a decision we have to make this month or the months to come, Lord. There may be news coming down the pipeline that we may not understand or may not be able to handle, Lord. But you are, it is possible because of who you are, Lord. So I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, that as we look at our situation and we say this is impossible, Lord, that we start viewing it as no, it's not impossible. It is possible because of the I am that we serve today, Lord. I thank you for that, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Heavenly Father, allow us to be like Daniel, Lord, to see it imaginable, Lord, the challenges that we face in our daily life. They're imaginable. We can see them happening, not because of who I am or because who they are, but because of the God that we all serve in this place. We thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the testimonies. I thank you, Lord, for the breakthroughs. I thank you, Lord, for the healing. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the encouragement that you have bestowed upon us this morning, Lord. Lord, be with us, Heavenly Father, throughout this week, Lord. 
just anoint our footsteps, anoint our minds, anoint our tongues, Lord, as we live in this life, Heavenly Father, and we do this life together. Lord, as one church, as one body, lifting up each other as brothers and sisters. We thank you for that. Protect us, Lord, as we're on our highways and byways, as we, to, as we go to and from this place, Lord. Bring us back safely next Sunday, Lord, for an awesome time in the Word, and we thank you for what you're doing in your church. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church says, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, feel free to come up. God bless you this morning.